want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Have you ever had that moment in life when you were like, this isn't working. I have to change everything. But we all have at certain points, right? My guest today takes us from that moment in her life to the incredible success she's had today. Jen Casey is a brain-based business coach, NLP master practitioner, speaker, and host of the top-rated Inner Boss podcast. Through her signature program, Programs That Profit, Jen teaches her brain-based, psychology-backed approach to business. She teaches online coaches how to build, sell, and effectively run profitable online coaching businesses. And in today's episode, you'll learn the importance of persistence, what NLP is, and how to use it in your business and the power of plant medicine. This is a packed episode, you all, and I could have talked to Jen all day long, and you're gonna see why. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Hey, Jen Casey. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing the magnificence that you are. I adore you, as you know, and I know my audience doesn't really necessarily know who you are. So why don't you start just by telling us a bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? All that good stuff. Yeah, so I am Jen Casey, and I am a brain-based business coach. I absolutely love teaching and sharing around NLP and all of the psychology aspects of business whether it be sales or niching down or just all the inner beliefs that get in our way and prevent us from ascending to our next level. And I've been in the online space since 2011, started in network marketing. Actually, before that was an actor. And that was always a fun little (laughs) point of connection for you and I that, you know, we started as entrepreneurs. It's like the, the OG entrepreneurs of being a performer. Yeah, we met at an event that I would say you're a keynote speaker at, and and I was a speaker at as well, and immediately had the connection, I think partially because of our theater background. How has that really influenced your work as a a coach and an online marketer? Oh, wow. I love working with actors and musicians and performers because I think it is a defining part of who we are and our, our work ethic. Prior to coming into the online space, I was really pursuing a career in theater. And I mean, just even having to explore the inner workings of who you are, whether it be in an audition or in an acting class, having to experience the rejection on a regular basis. I think all of that truly invites such a ginormous mirror for looking at all of your ish. (laughs) I mean, I, before I even understood what personal development was, I was studying at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. And I remember that year, right out of college, it it was just the most profoundly introspective year I had ever had. Actually, before I got in, I remember being in college, I was sitting on the side of the road in my car, just feeling so stressed out by school. And I was going to pursue the psychology path. And I pulled out the notes on my phone and I just wrote, feed your soul. Mm. I didn't know anything about spirits or channeling or 
that type of connection because I hadn't experienced it really other than, you know, maybe a few times when I was performing where I'd be like in the flow. And I remember being surprised by that and then realizing that that was going to be like my mantra for that year of, okay, like that is, I don't know what that means. I don't know how this is going to manifest. I didn't even know that word at the time, (laughs) but I was just in pursuit of whatever that meant. I was like, I've been doing quote unquote, what I'm supposed to do, what everybody else has told me I should do. I followed that path and I'm freaking miserable. So I'm going to feed my soul. And that was when I auditioned, got in. And then really that was like the first introduction to personal development. And the year that I graduated, 2011, was also when I first jumped into the online space as a network marketer in, in Beachbody. And so it was like, that was the catalyst, I think, of just being at like this rock bottom moment. Personal development is not an overnight thing, but I do believe, like you were saying, that being an actor preps you not only for rejection, but also for a life of self-examination. Mm. And as an entrepreneur, an online entrepreneur, it's constant self-examination as you are your brand. And so consequently, the marriage there is really, really profound. I remember when I was in acting school and my professor, he said to me, Nick, when you learn to tap into your authentic power, you'll be unstoppable. And I was like, what the, what the hell is, what the hell is he talking about? What the hell is my authentic power? I had no idea. Like you, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Right. And it's a process of finding that authentic power because that authentic power comes within that alignment and comes within letting go of your ish, as you were saying, we say shit here, letting go of your shit, right? And really coming into that potentiality that is you. And that's so important in the online space. And it's funny too, because as I, as you were just saying that I've reflected back on this over the years, that there were so many profound things that I learned from some of the really amazing teachers that I had. And they made no sense to me. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, that's cool. But, but they must've resonated on some level of my subconscious because they stuck with me. I remember what, I mean, one of the philosophies of Stella Adler was that you're, um, now I'm going to totally botch her quote. They have it like all over the studio, but it's something about how life as an actor and life as a human being are synonymous Mm -hmm. and really just going deeper in that growth as a human being. And I remember day one, we got there for like orientation. We all had to go do monologues in front of each other, which was like my literal nightmare. And somehow I got picked to go first. And I was like, why? (laughs) And I remember they said, you think you came here to learn how to act but you actually are here to learn how to get out of your own way. Oh, that's good. Like what? I I just remember being like, okay, whatever you people try to be all like out there and poetic <laughs> and giving us random riddles on day one. But man, was that freaking true, especially for being any type of creative. That's what this whole journey is about. It's like unlearning. And I would say as an entrepreneur too, Mm -hmm. getting out of your own way, getting out the stuff out of your own way so that you can really serve is vital to your success. Yeah. Learning how to just be Be. and that's it. (laughs) 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 And let everything just flow through you. So you are known as a coach of coaches, basically. Like you are the coach's coach and I've had the distinct pleasure of watching you coach some amazing people and you've even coached me from time to time, which is so (laughs) awesome. How did the transition go from Beachbody to to coach and how does NLP fit into this and how did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) So 
I kind of began in the network marketing space and I kind of joke around and say that I was really terrible in the beginning, but I just had this vision. Like, the, and I'll just to give you context, 2011 signed up, thought, oh, I'm just going to roll up to the online space, which looked very different back then. We're almost, talking almost 10 years ago. I thought I was going to post a link on my Facebook and boom, people were going to sign up just because I said so. And I was going to make millions of dollars and it was going to be easy peasy. And then not, no one bought for four or five months. I actually took a screenshot and put it on my Instagram a couple months back because people, I think, you know, it's been a while. So we lose touch with where we started. I'm like, hi, this is where I started. And I show five months of just zeros. And a couple of people were commenting saying, wow, I don't think I would have stuck with it. I was like, okay, maybe that's, and that's for you to think about. <laughs> that's for you to reflect on. Truly. But yeah, but so that was kind of the, the early starts. I remember not knowing anything about social media marketing and there were no real trainings back then. So I was just like super freaking scrappy. And I went home after I signed up and I created these flyers on Microsoft Word and I busted out my pick art and I like somehow flipped around the words and my like phone number and email so that I could have them at the bottom. And I cut those little lines, you know, where people can like grab a tab kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. We went super, like super scrappy. I remember one day I went to my school and I hung them all over college campus. And I thought, this is it. I am going to make all this money. All these people are going to take these tabs off and I'm going to get all these calls for people who like want to drink this shake and do these workouts. I was so sweet and naive, but I was ignorance on fire. And I was just trying things, just literally throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and some like really soggy linguine and all the things, all the things were going on the wall and nobody called. I got one email from some girl who wanted me to personal train her and I just remember like refreshing, checking my email again and again, going, where are all the emails? So the next Monday went back to the campus and I remember walking around. I just wanted to admire my work. I just wanted to see how many people had ripped tabs off my flyers. And when I got there, I realized they were all gone because I was in some violation of some college campus bulletin board something. Oh. And that was devastation. I was like, oh my God, I wasted two hours hanging these. Oh. <laughs> so stupid <laughs> but that was where I was at that was day like four of being an entrepreneur my first entrepreneurial failure and so I did that for you know finally I started getting up to speed in the online world however at that time the way that a lot of network marketing companies were teaching things it was very icky very salesy post a picture of you kissing your shake all that weird stuff and I never oh yeah <laughs> for those of you who can't see Nick just made a really amazing face <laughs> You were repulsed at the thought. <laughs> there were some really bizarre things that we, we were encouraged to do and told this is the only way to build a business. And I just knew that didn't feel in alignment to me. And so I kind of found my own way, had some success, then actually booked a gig working at the Shakespeare Theater of New Jersey one summer. And, you know, it was a pretty demanding couple of months. And so my entire business crumbled and I was like, no. <laughs> it's all this time finally building it up in three months it was gone it wasn't it wasn't a very sturdy business right after that I remember I, I thought I, I had made it I was working at this amazing theater with these amazing people it was the best summer of my whole life and then I had moved back home started working at TGI Fridays again and I just remember standing in that building thinking to myself oh god I could become a TGI lifer mm. which was like Kind of one of those things that we would call people who just got stuck in that world and then moved up to manager and they just kind of moved up the corporate ladder or they just stayed. They were like the, the you know, 60 year old server. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just had a visceral response to 
my own passing thought. And I remember it just kind of shook me, stopped me in my tracks. I remember exactly where I was standing. I was standing in front of table two, uh, 702 in the bar area when that thought crossed my damn mind. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, <laughs> truly shook me. And I realized that I had no bumper rails. I had no path that I was following. It was just it was up to me now to create something. And I also realized that, and the reason I was thinking I was going to become a lifer is because I had so many friends that were amazing performers, had worked at incredible theaters, worked on Broadway multiple times, and they were hustling the audition scene and waiting tables and bartending in between jobs. And there was something about that in my bones that said, nope, not for you. And so I decided to, this was now 2014, I decided to go all in on online business. And I remember I was sitting down, and this was really where like a big pivot happened. I remember I was watching a Brennan Burchard webinar, and he just presented something that allowed me to actually sit down and write my goals and showed me what was possible if I started selling digital products. And we just crunched a couple of numbers, did the math, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can make a million dollars with a digital product. Great, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Back to parents on fire. Like, in what world? So I remember I went and I told my parents and they were like, you're, you're going to do what? Told my um, therapist at the time, who was a bit of an older woman, and she was very concerned slash confused. And that was one of the last times I saw her. A couple of days later, so I remember I still have the piece of paper. It was April 1st, 2014. I wrote, I'm going to make a hundred, uh, it's going to make a hundred thousand dollars. That was my, my goal with digital products. And April 20th was Easter. And that was the day I put in my two weeks and I quit. Because I was like, why am I here? Why am I literally not with my family? This makes no sense. I'm going to go all in. And between those, April 1st and April 20th, I had actually started. I'm like, okay, I want to create a digital business, but I don't have an email list. I don't have an area of expertise. I don't have a social media following. I don't have any business ideas. So I guess I'll just like jump back in with network marketing to just create some seed money in the meantime. And then he's up making like $800 in one week, which was more than I made as a server. And that gave me the like, okay, that was like all the inspiration that I needed to actually take that leap and believe myself. So April 20th, 2014, I'm at my job. It's Easter. I'm like, why the heck am I here? I just left my family and my manager, I was like, Hey, can I go home? There's no tables. And he said, uh, if you have no tables, you can go scrub the base of the bar, which was not a regular task for a server or anybody in the restaurant. <laughs> I've never heard anybody doing anything like that. Uh, I was like, what do you mean the base of the bar? He's like, oh, you know, the part where you, the customers put their feet. Like, I am not getting on my hands and knees and freaking scrubbing that. I just remember having this lump in my throat. I went in the bathroom and I cried. And I used to cry often going in there just because I was frustrated with my life. But I cried because I knew in that moment that that was the absolute last time. Like, it was like a release. I knew that was the last time I was ever going to have to deal with anything like that, where somebody's telling me, you can't go home, you can't be with your family, because you have to do something that's not in your job description. I was like, done. And that was it. And I went off on my own and I, you know year and a half in network marketing, busted my butt, had all the big accolades, got the vacations, did did a lot of that stuff, and then really started to realize that there was so much more out there. There was so much more. And it was around the end of 2015 where a couple of things happened. I remember it was literally on New Year's Eve. I was sitting at my parents' kitchen table. We were going to go up to a party and I was running late because I was trying to get the last sale in for the year that I had to get to hit some nonsense goal that wasn't even my goal that the company told me I should be hitting. And I was late to this party. And there I was year and a half before saying, I'm going to quit this job because I want to be with people on holidays and actually get to live my life according to my terms. And I was not able to do that for myself based on these nonsense rules. So that was like one of my last straw moments. And then or within that same time, I uh, for over a year, I had been co-facilitating a weekly 
Law of Attraction meetup group off meetup.com. <laughs> I was the youngest person there by 30 years. <laughs> Truly. And we'd all go out for ice cream. Like that was my, my local friend group was all people in their sixties and late fifties and bless her heart, Helen, who's just an amazing human being. She was like the main organizer. And she said, I want you to be my social media coach to help me grow my life coaching business. And I said, Helen, you're so funny. You're hysterical. She said, no, no, I'm going to pay you. I said, no, you're not. I don't do that. I am a network marketer. You'd have to join my team and blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. I'm going to pay you money. What do you charge hourly? And I said, I don't know. Let me get back to you. And I remember going into a Facebook group and I posted in there, guys, what do you think I should charge for my one-on-one business coaching? Would you think $30 an hour is good? (laughs) That's what I was going to charge. $30 $30 an hour because that was what I got paid to teach fitness classes. And I thought that was like the best deal ever. I really just had no understanding of like what was possible outside of the network marketing space. And as a network marketer, you know, I would sell a shake and make a $30 commission. So $30 seemed completely reasonable. Yeah. Seemed normal. Seemed normal. Yeah. And the people in that group said, are you effing crazy? <laughs> you need to charge at least a hundred. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred dollars an hour. That feels big. That feels scary. Yeah. Go back to Helen. She's like, okay, let's do it. And we used to meet up at Starbucks once a week and she'd write me that hundred dollar check. And I felt like I was like the wealthiest person on the planet that I was getting paid a hundred bucks an hour to do business coaching, to talk about the stuff that I would like beg my network marketing team to like want to sit down and do with me and they could care less, but they weren't entrepreneurs. And that was when I think a light bulb went off for me that, oh, I am not here on this planet to try to convince people to be entrepreneurs. I want to go deep with people, with the people who actually give a shit, who actually want to be there. And I remember one day coming back from one of my coaching sessions in person with Helen, and we had the best time. We were talking, we were actually talking about storytelling and the power of storytelling. And this random guy comes walking over to us and he's like, oh my gosh, I know you. I saw you at Toastmasters the other day. I thought he was talking to her because she speaks all over the place. And he's like, no, 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 you. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you were telling that story about how you and your brother on Easter and goes into this whole thing verbatim tells me my story that I shared. I don't know if you've, if you've never been to Toastmasters, I wasn't even a member. I just went to like this one off thing just to see. And at the end, they give like random question prompts and invite anybody guests included to go up and just, you get two minutes and you have to share something related to that topic. And I just told this story about how me and my brother used to like compete on Easter. And he tells me this whole story back. And we were literally, it was like story inception because I was teaching her about the power of story as this guy walks up and tells me my story about how I told this story at Toastmasters. Talk about alignment. It was bizarre. So that happens. And I'm like, what the F is going on? This is so crazy. That was like the craziest manifestation ever. Like, how random is that? And then I go home and I had a coaching call with one of my new people that were supposed to be on my network marketing team. And I remember I texted her and asked her, hey, you know, before our call, I just want to make sure that you got those three, like, very simple things done that you're supposed to do for this upcoming call. Because they all stack, like, whatever we were doing was going to stack. And she's like, oh, no, I didn't get a chance to do it yet. And that was when I created a boundary. (laughs) And I said, great, we're not getting on this call until those things are done. So text me. It's on you, falls in your court, and let me know when it's completed, and then we'll get another call. Still waiting to hear back from her. It's been a couple of years. <laughs> Still waiting. I am not hopeful that she'll call. But that was a moment for me. Like, oh, wait, I just got paid $100 to have somebody who could not be more excited to be working together, could not be more excited about what we're creating, and then somebody else who I'm literally about to coach for free who can't even do three simple things. 
And I just started in that moment to really understand like the power of investing and like Mm. the people who choose to be there, who choose to invest, who put a little skin in the game, they got skin in the game and they show up. And, you know, in our industry now, we hear the things like when people pay, they pay attention. The transformation is in the transaction. And I mean, I've only continued to find more and more evidence of that being true. That is beyond true. And it has taken me years (laughs) to learn that lesson. That the giving, open-hearted part of myself wants it so bad for others, like you were saying, that you have to create these boundaries because they don't actually show up. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean everyone doesn't, but there has to be an energetic exchange. Exactly. Some form or fashion in order for them to really stand for themselves, or you're doing them a disservice. You're actually doing the person a disservice. Yeah. You're not helping them. It's so true. That's one of the hardest lessons, I think. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> the money like yeah they'll value it a whole lot more yeah even in my own you know business I've learned over time that the the lesser the dollar amount the more people are asking for Mm. right Mm -hmm. and the more often I'm chasing the chasing the money which is always (laughs) so interesting isn't it yep (laughs) it really really is it's this bizarre shift in the way that we understand we think oh let me just charge them less. Let me just create another discount. I remember one of my good friends, she's very successful business today. And when she first started, she wasn't even calling herself a coach and she started, she wanted to help divorced women. And she had out some ebook that was maybe like $27 and people kept telling her, Oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. So she made it $11 and people were saying, I can't afford it. So she made it $7. <laughs> people were like, I can't afford it. She's like, all right, I don't really know how much slower we can go here. So yeah, she quickly learned no, we don't negotiate. We don't negotiate. That's not what we do. That's not the path to holding that space for your clients. But yeah, like so, so many beautiful lessons, so many things that like at the time I thought were earth shattering or business ending. And now they are, they just seem like little blips on the radar. And they are just like these delightful little moments that I can reflect on and crack up laughing at because they really are just, it's endearing to look back on some of the things. Yeah. And I think it's really important for people that are first starting their business to realize that, that these things that seem so earth shattering, like, you know, the tearing down of the, the little tabs that you had at school, like yeah. seems so earth shattering at the time. And now you can look back in and be like, wow, I learned some lessons there, mm-hmm. right? I learned, I learned some things, but they're not as earth shattering as maybe I thought, but there's something that you had that I actually want to dive into a little bit, which is this belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? How did you know that you were going to make that million dollars? That's a question that I've asked myself again and again over the years. Like, where did that belief come from? Because there was nothing about my experience prior that would give me evidence that that was possible. Like I hadn't made a significant amount of money in network marketing. In fact, I barely had made consistent revenue, didn't really know how to build a business. And quite honestly, in the, in the theater world, I, I constantly held myself back. I was told that I walked into, like when I sang, I was bam, I was confident, but I had friends who were accompanists and they would be like, yeah, I don't know. When you walk in the room, you just (laughs) completely and utterly lack all confidence. When you open your mouth, you're great. But then when you stop singing, you're back to no confidence. So it's like, where, and I had debilitating anxiety and depression at that time as well. And so it's like, where in the heck did that come from? And I honestly feel like it was just higher self, higher consciousness, universe being like, Hey, you're going to do something that no one else can see the path for. You just need to do this. Yeah. There's something here for you. 
I mean, it was like, knock, knock, who's there? Universe, universe calling. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fact that you were sitting there talking about story and somebody comes up and says, oh my gosh, you told the story. Like, there was just so many signs for you, so many things for you that were offering you this. But there is this belief that you have to have, mm-hmm. like deep within you, that it's possible for you. Yeah. Because uh, you see it time time again. I saw it when people would come into an audition room. You know, I knew, like like your friends were saying, I knew when some, I knew before somebody opened their mouth whether or not it was even possible for them, mm-hmm. just by the way they entered the room. And I think that you can see that as well with entrepreneurship. It isn't for everyone. No. Let's just be let's be honest about that. It is not for everyone. You have to have a certain belief in the self, a certain moxie, a certain way of being. But there are things that you can do to train your brain, right? Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say too, it's like this belief in, in myself at the time, I think it gave me that initial spark, but it hasn't necessarily sustained at that level throughout the years. Let's just put that out there. It's not like I'm just like tunnel vision. I wish that I could be more, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Superwoman. But superwoman, <laughs> like nothing shakes me. Yeah, it wasn't quite that simple. It was the spark. And then it was constant, or at the time, what felt like constantly battling my own limiting beliefs, other people's limiting beliefs. I mean, I love my parents to death, but my dad in particular really did not get what I was creating and used to do so much passive aggressive stuff. Same things he would say if I was like at their house on client calls, he'd be making noise, like just doing little things that would sabotage. And he perceived himself as a failed business owner. And so he was trying to, I think on some subconscious level, save me from the pains Mm. of, you know, going through the the things of business. My mom has a therapist and has her own private practice. So I think I didn't even like realize they were both entrepreneurs, basically business owners until like years later, I was reflecting on that. It's like, oh yeah, wait, (laughs) that makes sense why I started my own business. But um, like you were saying, not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. And I really, truly, from what I've experienced and met so many amazingly successful people, it really comes down to being willing to do radical self-awareness work, just an insane amount of inner work to be in that growth mindset where you are just consistently digging deep and growing. And every time you think you're at a plateau, it's like, okay, what's coming up for me here? And, you know, I think a lot of people either weren't exposed to that. I'm very grateful for network marketing because I think that really did introduce me to personal development. It kind of got me realizing how important and powerful a lot of those practices were. And that's really evolved for me quite a bit. In the beginnings, it was just reading a couple of books here and there, and then it turned into therapy. And then it turned into, you know, investing in higher level programs with trained coaches and, you know, then going to these amazing events with Tony Robbins and doing NLP certifications and then plant medicine and then all these other types of ceremonies and breath work. And just like, it's evolved so much and gone so much deeper over the last 10 years of of this like incredible amounts of of self-discovery. And throughout the years, the, the work and the way in which I've moved with that work has definitely changed. Like in the beginning, I think it was just to check a box. Mm. on my to-do list like I did my 10 minutes of personal development Mm. and it's just turned into something very different now what's been interesting for me since becoming an online entrepreneur is that I always saw my paths as sort of separate Hmm. that it was like okay I've got this personal development what I would call my spiritual path and then I had my sort of theatrical career business path and they never fully felt in sync with one another or in alignment or in a dance together. They always felt like I was on parallel paths. 
And what, what's happened by coming into the online space is that they've merged. And it's been this beautiful experience for me of allowing that to evolve in a new way and in, in a new form. And, you know, online entrepreneurship is like personal development on crack, right? Because <laughs> it's so fast and furious. But I actually think it's just really has deepened my practice in a new way. And I'm so grateful for that part of it. And I think that that's something that if you are going to be an online entrepreneur and a successful one, that you have to, not only have to, you get to embrace as part of the experience. Mm. Yeah. Talk about NLP now, because I don't know if my audience even knows what NLP is. And I'll tell you why. Before I started in the, in the online space, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> and I've been in circles for years, but uh, personal development circles, but not that one. Mm. So can you explain what it is and how you use it within your business? Yeah. So I think more recently, it's becoming a bit of like a buzzword. Yes. More and more people are being exposed to what it is and how it works. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And essentially, it's, well, even before I define it, what the body of work of NLP is there's two gentlemen who sat down and studied the most impactful therapists and hypnotherapists of that time period. And they sat down and they were, I believe, computer programmers. So that's what's called neurolinguistic programming. And they basically watched and studied and modeled all of the things that they were doing, the language patterns that they were using, the techniques that they were using, and they documented it. So they, they are the creators of NLP, but they are not the creators of any of the content. They just modeled what other people, the best of the best were doing, and then basically systematized it so that we could understand it and utilize it and, and teach it. And so what NLP really allows us to understand, I'll, I'll give you the communication model. It really gives us different points of access to shift our beliefs. We look at like, what is our model of the world? For each individual person, they have their own model of how they experience the world. And so we look at, we, we are all being given 2.3 billion bits per second of information. And that then gets filtered down. So, and by 2.3 billion bits per second, that's through our five senses, right? That then gets filtered down to about 126 bits per second. And that those numbers are from a book called Flow. And the numbers are less important and what I would say to focus on is like the contrast, 2.3 billion down to 126 bits per second of information. And we filter that down with our reticular activating system, a part of our brain that we say like, what's your intention? What do you want to focus on? You want to think of a blue car? You're going to see blue cars, right? And that part of our brain, because we're chunking down all of that information so that we can function and have cognition and all of these things, we are deleting, distorting and generalizing information, deleting, distorting, and generalizing. That's why two people can go see the same movie and have completely different experiences. One person says it was the most life-changing thing ever, and the other person thinks it's like the steamiest dump they've ever, like that was the worst. And from there, from our experiences, we then create what are called internal representations. So those are the pictures and movies that we create in our mind. And, and a lot of times people don't even realize that the thoughts that they think are creating pictures. I'll give you a quick example. There was, in one of my coaching programs, it was a, a new group of people. So they didn't know my my philosophies yet. And I said, guys, we're going to do Q&A tomorrow. Drop your questions below. And I wasn't babysitting the thread. And I come back to it. And it was like, I'm really struggling with. I'm really stuck with. Mm -hmm. I'm really overwhelmed by. And we were only on like the second week. So it's normal in the beginning. When we started a new program, it's just like everybody wants to have all the answers day one. So I didn't answer any of their questions. <laughs> 
<laughs> said I got on a live stream and I started challenging the, the language that they were using because that was the only actual problem. Me answering any of those questions would have been completely useless to them if we didn't address the core issue. And I remember one of the girls that commented, she said that she was really struggling with something. And I said, is it that you are stuck? Or she said, I'm stuck. I said, is it that you're stuck or do you just not have the answer yet? And she said, it's the same thing. I said, ah, but it's not. <laughs> it's not because if you think about the way that our brain, our subconscious mind creates an image out of those two sentences, I am stuck. I don't have the answer yet. When we say I am stuck, I asked them, I said, what pictures are you guys creating in your mind? And at first I'm like, I don't see anything. I said, well, that just means the pictures are going really quickly. But if you really think about it and you really allow yourself to get present, so all of a sudden they start going, oh my gosh. I see an image of myself in, with my feet in mud. I see an image of myself with my feet in concrete. Me too, me too, me too. I see an image of myself pushing up against a wall. I see myself lost in a forest. All of them having very similar imagery around being caught in a box, stuck in with their feet in something, but they were immobile. And I help them understand that when we're using a word like stuck, it's creating a powerful image in our minds that when those pictures are moving so quickly, we can't keep track of all of our thoughts. We have like 60,000 thoughts-ish a day, but we can use our emotions, our state to be able to calibrate and go, okay, what, where am I at right now? What types of thoughts am I thinking? Because we can look at how we're feeling. That's our Abraham Hicks. If you guys Google image search, Abraham Hicks, emotional guidance skill, you will see all the different emotions going kind of up the spiral and down the spiral. That was always very helpful for me early on to just have a, a visual map of how I was feeling. Yeah. Because instead of having to be like, oh, I just need to be happy now and like piss positivity and like, la la la, everything's fine. I was like, okay, can I go up one notch on this mm. scale? Can I just feel like 2% better? <laughs> can I just get out of this like pity party just a tiny bit? And I was able to like learn how to manage my state more effectively by also then understanding the images I was creating in my mind. So even going back to this example of I am stuck. They were seeing this powerful image. And I said, how is that different from like, what comes up for you guys when you think I don't have the answer yet? And they're like, huh, I don't know. Okay. If you did know. And so really that the, the way that that language is framed, I don't know the answer yet. Don't the subconscious mind doesn't understand. Don't know, not it simply creates pictures out of the words that are there. So you don't have the answer yet. The embedded hypnotic command is have the answer. And then yet is a little hypnotic tag thing. It's a, it's a language piece that when added helps to create more flexibility and kind of shifts the, the framing of time. And so like all these little things, I was like, those two sentences so good. are so different and people are like, oh, it's the same thing. So I went on this whole rant with them or whatever, but it, it served as a really powerful example to really be able to see how truly important our language is and that, you know, we want to be intentional with how we are speaking to ourselves, how we are speaking about money, how we're speaking about our clients, how we're speaking about business, all the things. Yeah, since I have been studying it a bit and experiencing it and looking at it within myself and been able to use it, especially with my negaholic clients, I also have been really conscious of the language I use when pivoting, and I'm using quotation marks in the air, mm -hmm. pivoting to the sale, which I don't believe in really, a pivot, like the sales from the beginning kind of thing for me. And that's a whole other conversation that we could go off onto another tangent about. But <laughs> my point is that how do you most effectively use this kind of technique when you are selling because I know that it's important and I've been really paying attention to that even within how I'm doing it. So one of the things that I say all the time is all success is state dependent. Mm. 
for us as individuals. So even going back to the NLP model, it's like your, your thoughts impact your state and then your physiology impacts your state. And your state is what creates your behavior and your behavior creates your results. So when it comes to sales, having mastery of your own emotional state while you're on the call before you get on the call, shifting those expectations around what the call is. And we can go back to that. That's a whole other thing. But first of all, just like knowing how to manage your own state through that process. And one way that I do that is first how I help myself understand how the expectation was not about getting the sale. I think a lot of people go into it and say, the the goal of this call is for me to close the sale. And if I don't close the sale, it means I failed. Mm. And I don't believe that to be true for me. Anytime I get on the phone with anybody for any type of sales conversation, the outcome that I'm looking for is to help them get clarity and help myself get clarity around whether or not working together, whether it be one-on-one or in a group program or in a course, if it's a good fit or not. That is my only goal. And it's either yes or no. It either is a good fit or it's not. And if it's not a good fit, then I definitely am going to tell them it's not a good fit. I could recommend you to somebody else or whatever. And if it is a good fit, from my vantage point, then it's really about helping them come to that conclusion as well. And if they have some, you know, concerns about being able to make the investment or what somebody might think, then you can introduce some NLP type of language or just some really solid coaching around helping them, you know, to believe in themselves. But going back to the state piece, doing a great sales call is also about managing their state. And you do that with the language that you're creating, right? Because the thoughts impact your state. And so a lot of times when people go into sales calls, they're just haphazardly asking questions. I know in the early days of sales calls, I'd get on the call and be like, so tell me about your business. And then that person could go into a 45 minute dissertation about, well, my brother's sister's cousin's friend told me you should do be a health coach. And they give me the whole backstory and then also go into all of the deep pain. And I used to lose control of the sales call mm. and I didn't know how to get them back on track. And I know a lot of people struggle with this. And what I've really learned is that when you start to get really good at asking better questions, I'll give you guys Instead of asking like, tell me about your health, tell me about your business, you just either ask them to give you like a quick timeline or you're like in five bullet points, <laughs> especially if you know you've got a talker on the phone, just just frame the question so that it's supportive for them because it's not necessarily supporting them to go deep into like trauma or go into like becoming reattached to their problem. On the beginning of a sales call, we start light, we go into like, what are some of the things that you're, you know, your goals are, what are you working on? Then you kind of help them go into the problem. Like, how is that a problem for you? Like, how is that showing up for you? And that's where most people try to pitch. I used to see this in exclusively coach health and wellness coaches, and they would get on a call or be in the DMs doing coaching, uh, doing a sales conversation. And they would ask a couple of questions. The person would say, I want to lose 30 pounds. And they would immediately go, great, you should join my program. Mike, hold on. You don't know anything about them, their health history, what their needs are, what their likes and dislikes are. And they would just jump to that. I'm like, you got to do all this other intake before you then get to managing their state, right? So you're getting them into like kind of the pain and then you're bringing them into like what's possible. So this is like, okay, well, how would you know if working together was the best investment that you've ever made? Like, what would you need to see? I'm getting clear on their expectations, their outcomes that they need to have. And then I'm able to manage their expectations and also communicate how I show up as a coach or what the coaching program is going to look like. And so then I'm moving them into, you know, future pacing them. We call it an NLP and helping them see this is what's possible in working together. And most newer people who are not used to sales, they tend to not do that. And so instead they kind of keep them, the, the potential client in this disempowered state and then try to sell them something. Mm. You can't, they, they're not in a, and I, I call it like a buying state. 
You want somebody to be in the highest possible vibrational state when they are making a buying decision. And there's, there's like an asterisk here, not so that they buy, but so that they make the most aligned buying decision. I love that because I think NLP can get a reputation for being manipulative or trickstery. And by you getting that asterisk right there, that gets to the heart of that it's not, that it's about getting them into alignment so that they will choose for their best path. Mm-hmm. Now, are there people who use NLP tactics to manipulate people and use some of the language, especially around, like, I don't know, I've, I've seen some and, and heard, and even my fiance, he went to something for personal development. I won't say what it was, but they were sitting there with him. He had just shared a lot of his personal things that he was working on. And then they tried to pitch him to go into mm. some like other class. And they're like, well, didn't you just say a few minutes ago that you blah, 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 blah. And he was like, listen, I edit my fiance's podcast. She teaches sales. Like, <laughs> I don't really I know, know what you're what doing. <laughs> Like, I could, like, write the book on this. I hear this all the time. He's just like, the guy's like, well, what do you really want? What do you really want right now? And he was like, I really want to go home. (laughs) I was like, babe, yes, (laughs) you tell him. Hey, nobody knows with you. But, you know, and and the guy was trying to give him shit, like, trying to manipulate him into, like, oh, but don't you want to invest in yourself? And, like, you know, you say you play small. Isn't this a, you know, manifestation of you playing small? And he was like, actually, the thing I'm really working on is standing in my truth and not being a people pleaser. So by me telling you no, I'm actually doing the work that I need to be doing right now. And he was just like, bam, bam, bam. And they were going for, like, an hour. But he was like, it was a ping pong match. And, you know, so there are some people who are don't understand how to take the no. Yeah. Like, if the client's not ready, like, why do you want to stop trying to drag people along? Why would you want somebody who's not ready? That's, I mean, it's just like pushing a boulder up a hill when they're not ready. I don't know as a coach or, you know, as a teacher of any kind, why you would want a student who doesn't want to be there. None at all. I think in that situation, it was for a larger company. So I'm sure that, you know, when put in those scenarios as as a sales rep, when you're getting paid based on commission. Uh, Yeah. And that's not to say anything bad about anybody, but I just think, you know, from a structural component, I think that breeds more of that type of behavior because it's somebody's revenue, like their, their salary is on the line, you know, their job's on the line, ultimately their job's on the line. Yeah. Their, their income. So, you know, I, and I appreciate some friends of ours who do have salespeople that they hire to help them with their launches and they actually don't pay them commission. They pay them a flat rate, whether or not they close the sale. And it really allows them to not get caught up in making the commission because then it really does become the intention does become close the sale versus help the person determine whether or not it's the right fit and you're getting paid either way. Totally agree. So you mentioned when we were talking about your journey that it's gone to a deeper place for you. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on sort of the spiritual or mystical experiences that you've been diving into and how have they not only affected you personally, but how have they affected your business? Oh my God. (laughs) Are we ready for a part three and four? (laughs) Oh man. Well, I will say, you know, when I first was introduced to even NLP through a variety of different teachers, but primarily Tony Robbins. He doesn't call it NLP. He calls it neuroassociative conditioning. He just renamed it. But I remember, you know, going to his events and then doing all these certifications. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is like the pinnacle of all the things that you would possibly need to know. This is like the most amazing library of tools for understanding the subconscious mind and the human being. And this is just, I I was just so, and I still am just obsessed with 
of the things related to NLP, NLP and hypnotherapy and, and many of those related modalities. And then I was introduced to plant medicine and it was like my brain exploded and it went to an entirely deeper level that I didn't even understand, had no idea was even available to me. And actually in December, when I was doing ayahuasca in Costa Rica, I had a massive breakthrough where, and a lot of people are like, wait, what the heck's ayahuasca? So it is a plant medicine that you drink. You work in a sacred ceremony with trained shamans who are plant medicine shamans. It is not something that is done recreationally. I want to be very clear about that. I'm sure your audience knows that like, it is something that you specifically do under the circumstances of this is for healing and spiritual expansion. You wouldn't want to take this recreationally because a big part of ayahuasca is purging. So that could be vomiting. It could be sweating, burping, going to the bathroom, like uh, laughing uncontrollably, crying uncontrollably. And I shared a bit of this on, on the episode that I did, but basically in a nutshell, I had on the third night, we did four nights in a row, which was whew, Whoa. intense. You went there four nights in a row. We went there and it was, so I have friends who have done maybe like not, didn't go at the place that we went to and they did like maybe one or two nights and, you know, people say with ayahuasca, like, oh, I didn't like it or, you know, I didn't get where I wanted to go. And I had beautiful breakthroughs every night, but the third night was really when I was just in a place where I was physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted, Mm -hmm. exhausted. And you kind of want to be there. You don't want to be there, but you do, because that's really when you're in full surrender. You have literally nothing. You can't fight the breakthroughs yeah. anymore. You, you, you fully surrender your body, mind, spirit. You're like, okay, whatever you need to do, like I'm here for it. And I remember having this massive purge and with ayahuasca, you can actually speak directly to her if you have that type of a journey. And I literally would ask a question in my head and I heard a voice answer. And I was like, what is happening? Holy crap. That was not me responding, but it was in my head, but I know that that was not me. It's just the most strange thing. And I I had this massive purge. I threw up a ton in my bucket and my face is in my bucket. And we were encouraged to ask the bucket, what are you? So I said, what, what are you? And she gave me a name and I was like, what? And it was my high school boyfriend. And all of a sudden she started showing me all these visions of all these horrible, because he was very like emotionally, mentally abusive. And I started seeing all these things play out. And I'm literally like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is bizarre. And all these connections start being made. And she starts showing me all these pictures of things, replaying certain things. And I started uncontrollably sobbing, like wailing. I, in my brain, I'm like, wait, this is so weird. Why am, is that me crying? Who is making that sound? Holy crap. That is me crying right now. I cannot control this. I can, so I'm like, what? I don't know what to do. So I'm like taking my face and putting it in a pillow to just try to not disturb other people. And in that moment, she's like, you would not have gotten to this in 40 years of therapy. And that was one of the big breakthroughs because I had never considered myself a victim in those situations she showed me. I had never categorized them as trauma mentally. Mm. I had also done all of the NLP work to heal it in my neurology, but it was still that energy of it was still stored in the tissues of my body. And I had no idea that it was even there. I had no idea. And so why, how are you supposed to do like, like, I didn't even know to even go and look there. And so I released massive amounts of like dark energy from like my womb, from my gut, from like my sacral power space. So that was really cool. And that was when I realized, oh, NLP is really bomb.com. And 
there's also another layer deeper. And I will say too, with NLP, you know, you're not just looking at the thoughts and the beliefs and, and the, the language. You're also looking at the physiology, which I think is a little bit harder to do when you're coaching online. I think Tony Robbins does a beautiful job at his events mm-hmm. when he's working with 15,000 people. He can't sit and listen to every single person talk about the beliefs that they have. So he uses so much physiology work in his trainings and his live events. And I think it's important because you have to get that energy moving. So yeah, really through a lot of the, the plant medicine journeying, <laughs> I've really uncovered a lot of beautiful things. I've started channeling, which is like very new, but very actively channeling and hearing things like I did with ayahuasca. That's only been in the last you know year or so. And it's just opened up so much more spiritually and just this, this deeper connection of certainty in my path, my purpose, what I'm doing in the world. And then also being shown things and not ha- like just, just being in the flow and not having to quote unquote work hard to come up with ideas. Yeah. Like the ideas just come through. Yeah, you you know, kind of coming back to that full circle thing of opening yourself up by getting rid of the ish, mm-hmm. the ship. And obviously for you, that experience was a profound, deep one that released a lot of the ship so that you could open the channel without the blockage. Mm-hmm. As a kid, and I think even into college and, and auditioning, I always remember having this very vivid image that would pop up for me. And I didn't share this with anybody until maybe a year and a half ago with my friend Ashley. But I would see this image of this mummy in my mind. And I saw myself as this mummy where I was this very vibrant white light. And then it was like all these like mummy wrappings all around it. But you could see the light peeking through all these areas. And that was the image that I had for myself that my subconscious would show me every now and again. Mm. And it was like, how in the F do I get these mummy wrappings off? Like, I want to get this stuff away, but I didn't have the tools at the time. And the last 10-ish years has really been this journey of taking all those layers off. And I, I feel like there aren't any, there's none of that anymore. Like, it's gone. And that's like a really cool, that's not an image that really resonates with me in that way anymore. And this is crazy. Actually, right after I had shared that with my friend Ashley, I think it was actually when we were at our, yeah, it was when we were at our NLP training. We did a bunch of techniques on each other. I shared that image with her. And freaking universe, man, the day before we were leaving, we go to this random coffee place and it's in, it was October. So it was around Halloween time. And we go to this coffee shop and we're waiting in line. We look over and in the corner is a mummy with like Christmas lights inside of it. Oh, I love it. And we were like, holy shit, what? <laughs> we're freaking out. <laughs> it's like, okay, I have literally never told that to you. Hadn't told that to anybody. Hadn't even thought to share that. And then released whatever I released with her. And there it freaking was standing in the corner. And it's just like so many crazy things like that happen. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> well, Jen, you are a incredible bright light. Speaking of lights coming from you without the mummy anymore, just a full on bright light. I could talk to you like forever. I really could. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Your light is so bright that people are going to follow. So where do they follow you? <laughs> <laughs> Seamless transition. You guys can come hang. I'm Hey Jen Casey on all social media platforms and on the Inner Boss podcast. And actually, Nick and I did an amazing episode. That is seriously one of the, I just love talking to you. We just jam out. I'll have to look and see what the, I don't remember what the number is, but you guys can find it if you just Google Inner Boss. I think it's episode 180. 
four or five? It's not that far back. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty recent. And it's just that one's such a good one. You guys should definitely listen to that episode. Well, and I will have you back. You've got to come back (laughs) on because I just love chatting (laughs) with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Please rate, write us a review, and subscribe so we can spread the word and other solopreneurs just like you can find us.